In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, O my Jesus, forgive us of our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. Saint Dominic de Guzman, pray for us. Venerable Father Augustus Tolton, pray for us. Saint Helena, whose feast day is today, pray for us. Today we are doing a pre-recorded show for the David O'Grace Show, Voicing Truth and Reason. So please do not call in, but I am continuing our conversational aspects of Catholic education. From the university system to public education for youth, the world owes a debt to the Catholic Church and the work Catholics have done to offer free and affordable education to boys and girls throughout the world. Even in the face of persecution from Protestants and from governments aligned with Masonic interests. What troubles me today, though, is that Catholic education and education in general is not innovative at all. It's falling behind and is being corrupted by political agendas and demonic activity. So I've invited Mr. John Coleman on, who is the founder of the Pocket Stacey's Institute, to speak with us about the purpose of education and what can be done to fix it. I hope you enjoy this talk, and we will be back next week for our regular live programming. Thank you. have John Coleman in the studio right now, and I was wanting to speak with him for a while just to talk about Catholic education and education in general, about what's working, what's not, and what John thinks is um, the best course for the future when it comes to education, in particular Catholic education. John, welcome on to the David O. Gray Show. Thank you, David. I'm really honored that we're uh, we're chatting here. I look forward to our time together. It's an honor. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it is an honor to have you here because I was really I've been really impressed about what you've been doing at your institute because it seemed to be something fundamentally different than what I've encountered as, as being a former teacher in, in, in Catholic schools and my experience around Catholic schools. It it I will. You know, I, I think I'll pause for a moment. Any more commentary I'll, I'll have on that because I just want to get your thoughts in general. But first, I want to just get your background. Tell us a little bit about, about yourself, um, also about your, your faith journey. And lastly, what got you into education? Sure thing. Um, so with, uh, well, with my own interest in, in the humanities, uh, there's a few different threads here, but but I, I should hope they're on the same uh, same wavelength. So I'll try to bounce around between those those different areas there. Yeah. But uh, coming up, I always had an interest in uh, in history as a child and so forth. And I had some uh, some flying teachers coming up. I think we all we all remember some special souls, and uh, I certainly was was privileged with with uh, some of those characters too. So they were very impressive. Um, uh, to me, uh, in in junior high even, and then in high school, and then uh, in college, and I think like a good lot of people, uh, didn't know my um, uh, my nose from my elbow uh, going into college. But uh, you know, I, I went into the history track because I liked it and and um, and pursued that. Um, and at that time, uh, and I, I suppose this is a good point to bring up your second thread there about uh, the faith journey. Um, coming up in high school and things, I had the opportunity to go to various retreats and so forth. So I, I come from a uh, certainly an observant family and uh, those opportunities were provided. And 
uh, had the good sense and the grace to pursue those things. And, and so uh, that, uh, that faith background was always there. And um, by the time I was entering college and pursuing history, David, um, I had been attracted to uh, various elements of, of, we'll say, traditional Catholicism or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And this uh, particular parish was um, happened to be at, at its own uh, development where a lot of the parents in, in uh, this community were uh, getting older and their children were getting older and they were getting into high school and junior high. And uh, the parents... Uh, by which I mean the mothers, because unfortunately in, in a lot of homeschooling, there's very little uh, par- uh, paternal influence. And we could talk about that when it comes mm-hmm. to things, but the mothers were pulling out their hair. <laughs> and so they were trying to get this type of uh, school together and the clergy there were responsive to this. And uh, my introduction to teaching was very much part-time. I had to fill a few, a few different slots. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, as the years uh, go along, and I'm sure many of, of your viewers have experience in, in parish life, um, you know, people get burned out yeah. and, um, and there's um, various reasons for that. And so as those years went along um, and more and more people, you know, cycled through and went on with their life, more and more was, uh, was put on, on, um, on my plate. And I was very happy to do that. I, I, um, at, you know, at, at, at uh, the height of it, I was really kind of r- responsible for coordinating the whole high school uh, there, which was a, a mean thing. Uh, it was a small thing. Uh, we're, we were dealing, I think, at, at, at the height, maybe 15 uh, high schoolers. But that's that's a heck of a, uh, a job, you might imagine. And um, going along there at the same time... Um, Growing uh, academically and so forth, uh, I had some great uh, professors in in uh, in the academy. Um, so that was my growth and my introduction to um, to education there, and um, kind of running parallel with with my faith journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to uh, over overshoot uh, your questioning there. So I'll hold off uh, my further development and certain critiques I, I noticed both within my time um, in undergraduate and graduate school and then within this um, pseudo homeschool into private school world that I was involving myself with. Yeah. So what were some of those? I mean, what did you notice, first of all, um, was broken and what was working as you're matriculating through your experience of being a professional educator? Well, in the, in the, uh, the, I guess, suppose the, the school desk end of things, you know, my, my own experience as a student, um, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of bureaucracy there. Um, some of which uh, being on the other end of things these years, I can, I can kind of understand where that impersonalism comes from and, and, and the needs for those boundaries and so forth. But uh, when you're coming up into it, uh, especially because of, you know, just the psychological, spiritual, physical place, you know, someone between 15 and 25 years of age is at, um, you know, uh, <laughs> they, it all can come across as rather cold, I, I, I imagine. And, and, um, well, imagine I, I experienced it. What am I saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So there was that aspect, just on an emotional level, shall we say. Um, the impersonalism of, of the administration, we'll say. Um, but also, this was really the high watermark. And I, I think we have a, a bit of breathing room that we can kind of perceive this now. Uh, this is the beginning part of this century where this was really the high watermark of the, the baby boomer expectation that everyone goes to college. Okay. And I happened to be on that college yesterday talking to one of my old uh, Dr. Patters, my old uh, professors. Hmm. And uh, even he commented in the, in the time since we were together that, uh, you know, there were just physically less people on campus. And so um, just even the history of education, the past 20 years, we've seen uh, things change, but you know, when I was there, it really was that crest. Like you, you go to school, or you know that, or you're a total failure in life. Yeah. To to uh, this relation's great discredit, I, I myself was told at 17, uh, I might as well put a, a a pistol to my head and blow my brains out if I didn't go to college. I mean, this is wow. the type of language, and I don't think I was the only one to get this uh, um, inappropriate sort of pressure. Uh, I think some of that's um, some of that's relieved uh, these days after 2008 and, and more lately. But um, th there was a lot of just people going through through the, the machine. It's almost like that old Pink Floyd song, uh, <laughs> uh, The Wall, you know, where you're on the conveyor belt there. Yeah, it's, um, uh, you definitely get that that feel in there. I mean, was that was that part of the problem? And we're speaking with John Coleman, who is the founder of the Pocket Stasis Institute. We're speaking about education in general, what's working, what's not working. And this is David Show, voicing truth and reason on Guadalupe Radio Network. And so, John, was that is that part of the problem in general? Because you use I noticed on your website, you use some very strong words to describe some of what's what's broken. You, you say things such as um, you call on things such as GPAs and credentials is childish props. <laughs> that's that's strong language. Um, but what, what's going on there? Oh well, this is uh, getting back to the the raison d'être of of modern um, industrial education, and that is to produce certain uh, certain people who will succeed in a certain economical. Uh, order or a, a certain industrialized world and now post-industrial world. So um, really in my my analysis of things, uh, and I don't think anyone could could teach, uh, even down to your old CCD classes with with uh, some open eyes and not realize the the connection of the classroom dynamic, the way the school, physically and uh, temporally, that is to say, via the, the way the day is broken up on the clock mm -hmm. and uh, the certain liturgy of it all, shall we say, mm -hmm. and not uh, make a one-to-one -one connection to a, a certain type of society we have mm. um, where well, you have this mass society, this society of, of um, large groups of people being um, employed. And I don't just mean in this instance economically, but uh, put to different tasks or, you know, large, large bodies of, of people. Um, the only way you can do that is through through 
you know, a very tight credentialing system. But unfortunately, you see this in the education world. Uh, you, you, this is, of course, a, on the more philosophical end of danger, even in, in a spiritual journey, a religious life, where the, the verb um, it becomes the noun. Uh, that is to say, um, the credential initially, uh, we'll say a degree or a credit or whatever, the, is, is meant to... Um, certify that you have attained the knowledge of a certain study but um the verb of the study uh is elbowed out and then and the noun replaces it and so that all that matters is the credential itself mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what's wrong with that uh what well what's wrong with that is that the the uh intellectual life is um it ceases to be the center of the 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 study yeah. and what matters is is the is the degree uh, you've seen this with with colleges in the last 20 years you know rather rather explicitly marketing themselves uh for you know alleged economical success that will that will come uh yeah. and <laughs> and so you see the rise of things like klept testing you see the um anxiety or even the neuroses around uh sat testing uh, and indeed testing on the grade level very very systematized even uh no child left behind common core and then um uh various other political dialogues that that tend to encourage endless um endless uh, checkups and so forth of that nature Mm -hmm. uh, and so what, what's lost, what's lost is, is the life of the mind. Mm -hmm. the, the word we have in Latin for school is um, uh, ludus, ludus, which is the same root as um, game, as pastime. I'm sure um, there's another word, scola, um, but uh, earlier Latin, classical Latin, ludus. Um, and, you know, you can read Joseph Pieper's uh, essay. I think Pieper was a, a Thomist. Uh, Leisure, the basis of culture. And he, he points this out, right? That for right. a true life of the mind, uh, and of course, in the Catholic tradition, um, uh, though not exclusively, right? That life of the mind ought to ought to be a nice on-ramp into uh, a life of the soul for, for certain people. Um, that, that this can only genuinely happen in an atmosphere of leisure. And so to your question, uh, constantly jumping through hoops for credentialism, especially for in the humanities, one could argue maybe for a more mechanical discipline, um, that 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 sort of uh, system might be more appropriate, but for, for much of education, for the higher parts of education, mm -hmm. frankly, there is a certain hierarchy to things. Um, that the the credentialism, etc., uh, I believe, uh, gets in the way of that that genuine pursuit of of the subject. In say, I, I think that's fascinating because it 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 it, it provokes, I think, a question that says. What is the purpose of education then? And is it, if the if the what is the purpose of education in the United States? What what is it? What has it become? Um, and what do you think is the more classical um, definition of education? Put these two things in conversation with each other. 
For sure. And actually, I might add a third, which I did not address uh, earlier, and that is a certain critique of um, not just the institutions, which I had just laid out now, but also certain uh, errors I was noticing uh, in this kind of pseudo homeschool, private school world. Yeah. Because um, I think in that, um, that community, um, which has uh, much to say for it, uh, a lot of a lot of these errors in in Americans' perception of education and and where is the value therein uh, can be evident and uh, certainly more so uh, in the mainstream people who maybe are not um, as grounded in 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 certain things of life and, and certain aspects of life yeah. that, that secular society neglects. Um, and so there is um, across the board, it, it would appear to me, a very um, a commercial end to education, uh, primarily, even again, um, amongst um, homeschoolers and so forth, the education, uh, again, the verb uh, takes short shift to the noun, right? So the education is just to get the to get the, uh, the work certification, or it's just to to be a successful uh, commercial uh, person. Um, and so I think that's that's fundamentally there. But unfortunately, in America, we we really haven't um, definitively answered your very question there, which is what is education for? Mm -hmm. um, and and so it becomes this grab bag, even in more conservative or or devout communities, it becomes this grab bag of of ideologies. It's it's um, a, a smorgasbord of of doctrines and so forth. So you have people ha have all this um, economical aspect of education that they've they've nibbled away at. And they they have dribs and drabs of that. Then you have, you know, we need a, a, a solid Catholic education. So they have dribs and drabs of that. Um, and then you have the somewhat recent history, we'll say mid to early 20th century, where you have the, the, the once uh, robust Catholic education system in this country. And but even that was a compromise between the secular system and, and it gets into larger 19th century discussions of church and state and, and the bishops trying to kind of yeah. you know, hold the line in regards to the secular state. And like with certain compromises, nobody, you know, nobody wins. Um, yeah. um, and then you have, you know, you have the reality of all the education critiques and people um, trying to you know, respond to them. Um, and so it's uh, to answer your question, um, at least, you know, what is the perception of education in this country? It's all over the place. It's all over the place. And even people who um, who think that we're, we're anchored in certain things, we're all just a, a, it's almost like encoding. We all have like these these coding errors in our our perception of education. So to answer the, that first question, um, it, it really is this. Um, discordant um, conglomeration of many, many different ideologies that um, that are kind of imbibed by most American families, you know, for 12 years before they can get on to other aspects of life. Most people don't really think about what is um, what they're actually doing uh, with education. And that's the problem. So they just kind of spit back whatever sounds good. Yeah. We're speaking with John Coleman, who's the founder of the Pocket Stasis Institute, speaking about education, uh, what's working, what's not working. Um, you know, in 
you know, you're, you know, history very well. And I think you would agree if we look back on history, we would probably say that all healthy societies, or at least healthy as they could possibly be, you know, had all three things in common. You know, there was a focus on the family, the, the two parent home. Um, it was, um, it was, um, it was paternal, you know, there was uh, a very important role of the role of the father in the family, right? Um, there was a focus on education in the regards that, that, you know, there's, um, it was important, especially from a Catholic perspective, that people have education, right? So, um, they produce better people in regards to um, how they interact with society and how they're able to produce for themselves and for society. And also the last thing, last thing was just the morals and values, healthy societies. You know, they had a parent, they had a two parent home. Um, the father played an important, uh, played what was, is the head of the home, um, education, but also the morals and values, Christians, Christian morals and values. So healthy societies always had those, those three things. And we look at society today, especially in the United States, we see a, um, probably in all three of those aspects, we don't see, um, we see a lot of brokenness, you know, a lot of, we see women leading homes, um, this, this new feminism in, in place in society today where, um, that's, that's, uh, where the father isn't, um, um, is not the traditional father that we always saw, right? We always with with education we see this social um these social experiments going on in schools rather than education even a broken education right this this credential system we, we barely even see that nowadays um, with common core we barely see a, a focus on, on grades and gpa right so even 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 the the broken system in, in place we don't even see that being done any uh, well at all and then with morals and values, well, we know where that's at. So it's, it's no surprise that we look at society today, at least particular in the United States, we could even say in North America, we just see failure all around because we're not hitting these three, these three components of a healthy society. But in response to that, people would say, well, John, this to replace that with just some sort of focus on the humanities on art and history and, and culture, how does that make us better? Um, are those things even practical? You know, if I read all the great books, how does that make me um, a, a better contributor to society? How does that help me be a good father, a good parent, a good, um, a good um, child? How does the humanities, how's the focus on humanities, a strong foundation in humanities, how does that how does that improve education? What a great question there, David. Thank you. Um I think this uh answer that I'll I'll uh, be building up to here uh, touches on our last point as soon as as uh, moving things in 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 this direction. And that is, you know, we say that Americans don't understand what education is and that may have to do with the fact that we don't understand what being american is or we don't have a single definition of society 
And that would involve uh, for me to, to do anything more than assert that, to prove that, that would involve a much lengthier discussion about how uh, since World War I, American society has been deliberately attacked. If you read stuff from the 1880s and 1890s, you can see a beautiful new culture after a couple hundred years of incubation uh, coming into effect. And it has been torn down and warred against and dismantled since then. Um, so we can go to our strip malls and our fast food and and our uh, Twitter and so forth. That's another discussion. But I think it, it uh, presses up very much into the confusion about education, the confusion about what is society and who is the individual in society. And so to your uh, direct question on this point, what is the value of the humanities? I believe it can help one on the most uh, intimate level, an individual to um, uh, appropriately appraise themselves in society and within a continuum of uh, history. It may be said that uh, one of the distinctive features of men uh, besides uh, bipedal ambulation and big toes and thumbs um, is the mental consciousness that we exist uh, before and after. That's one of the distinctive things men have, that we know that uh, we have not been at a certain point, and we know that, at least physically speaking, we will not be on this earth at a certain point. Uh, animals don't have that. You could stomp on the head of a crocodile and they wouldn't really notice or care. Um, <laughs> men have uh, a continuity uh, and so on the individual level, the humanities place us in that. They nest us within the human story, which can be tremendously calming, actually, um, on, on multiple fronts to realize that. And a diligent um, analysis of that, a diligent study, will also uh, put our own trials and tribulations and struggles and triumphs in, in um, you know, a proper context. Everything doesn't need to be a hair on fire moment. Um, in fact, I think some of the, the um, stresses and strains socially we've seen this last year, last two years, um, have to do with that. As people don't have any sort of context to put in uh, what they're reading about and, and at certain you know, interesting ideas that have come up. And so it's all, it's all knee-jerk left, right, and center. Okay. Um, socially, socially, the humanities um, also uh, plug into one of the fundamental principles of uh, the modern order. And that is um, the agency of the individual. Um, that there is an assumption in this society, it too is very warred against. Um, and that is that the individual um, is part of the society. If you go back to all, you know, all of these uh, liberal nation states that we have from the Enlightenment, we can discuss about the, the problems with these systems, but here we are. Part of the assumption of that is that the individual is educated so that he can run his society. That is a fundamental principle. That's why you have all of these libraries and schools and public uh, broadcasting and so forth. That's actually the reason. Um, it's actually Article Three of the U.S. Constitution uh, explicitly uh, demands the federal government to to support the arts and sciences. Why? Because the because the population of of knowledgeable individuals is assumed to be able to run run themselves, and so the value socially 
of this um, humanities education is um, basically to do what I just said for the individual in a community as they make decisions going forward. Okay. Um, and then uh, lastly, uh, perhaps returning to the individual, what do the humanities offer? Well, um, a, a decent appraisal of human society and the tapestry of human history and struggles and so forth um, can be, uh, a, again, a great on-road into a life of faith when you realize that these are the discussions that people have been having and um, well, so often they, they lead to deeper considerations of God, etc. Hmm. Hmm. Speaking with John Coleman here on the David O. Gray Show, voicing truth and reason on the Guadalupe Radio Network, which is radio for your soul. John, that, that's really fascinating that you, your description and your um, how you explain the value of humanities, really without saying it, you suggested that the modern education system that we have is pretty much about just about self-indulgence and selfishness and in this elevation of the individual, um, this um, uh, auto auto human autonomy seems to be the value. In contrast, a focus on humanities, as you say, pitches, places the individual inside this, this huge tent um, that shows how they belong in this, in this bigger, this bigger picture is, is that is, is that a crude way to describe the modern educational system is it just about human autonomy and selfishness and self-indulgence uh yes but uh not to gainsay anything but maybe i would say that the the self-indulgence or the individuality or the the maybe what i use is the language the consumerist mind mm, um okay. It can all be tomato, tomato, but I think um, what what self-indulgence is uh, encouraged is actually to war against authentic autonomy. Mm, okay. Right. So the, the type of agentic, educated, engaged individual that I laid out in my previous answer, that that spirit of, of um, legitimate independence or autonomy, if you like, that's what I think has been warred against um, since about the First World War with the, with the, uh, the industrial model that we have. And uh, going back to my first uh, answer to your first question, um, that has to be warred against in order to get the type of compliant society which uh, at least a certain faction in right. this country and others um, has has worked um, very heavily for. Some people work for riches and gold, and some people work for heaven uh, through grace, and people work for all sorts of things. Well, there has been a clique in this country which has worked very earnestly to to war against the authentic agency and independence of the population of this country. And, and I do believe that the educational model has been a grand tool for that end. As far as creating these compliant beings. Yes, bingo. Yeah, that's it right there. Um, and that gets back to the whole commentary on the impersonalism and the systemization of education. Um, you can't you can't have this society and we we don't need to derail things into a litany of specifics but you cannot have this society 
um, of heedlessness without uh, a training in it. You have to deliberately discourage that. And in a hundred ways that is done in the um, in the present system, not the least of which is the uh, the 12, uh, 13, 14, 15 years, depending on our backgrounds of formal education, which has been um, which been offered to us through third parties, right? I mean, there's there's a, a huge psych, uh, psychological aspect of modern education where you have this, you know, this extra personal system, the system which exists without people, the GPAs and the mm. this whole system that you kind of plopped into at five years of age and you're spit out maybe at 20 or, or 25 years of age. And the people have come and gone, the teachers have come and gone, but the system has remained. And it's always this type of impersonal aspect. And it's great training for uh, having a job as opposed to, of course, um, owning one's own means of production. Um, it's, it's perfect training for, um, well, the type of control system we have uh, at present. So I see that uh, also as a one-to-one -one training for uh, legal engagement, economical engagement, um, the, the modern these modern systems which require people not to have agency um a lot of the stresses of the 19th century not to go into a history lesson but a lot of those stresses had to do with a, a rather uh, agentic and independent financially independent um and so forth western societies coming into contact with this new rising order of of industrialization mechanization legalization mm. and so forth so, um, well, what has happened in the last century as this system has done its work? Well, that spirit, that spunky spirit has ebbed away. And here we are. Wow. 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 Um, and so what, obviously, your response to this was to start um, your, your institute. Um, how is it what you're, what you're doing at Apocastasis Institute, um, is it when when you have seminars or you're, you're speaking with parents privately about it? How do they feel about it? And when I say feel, I mean like truly the emotion. How do they feel this is going to work for them? And is it is it something that's too foreign for them to really conceptualize and buy into? Um, yes, uh, it is. Um, now, we have students uh, at present, we'll say, from 15 to probably about 60 years of age. So we take students um, at about 14 or 15 years of age, but all the way up there. Uh, I always like to say it's kind of like undergraduate, that level. So anyone of that, you know, who can handle that is is welcome. So, yes, I mean, often I am dealing with parents and um the older students that I have, they they get it and they get a certain social consciousness that I think has come across in our time together as well uh, regarding education. But um, a lot of the parents, they they don't get it. Um, they get the critique. They like the critique. Um, they like the the solutions. But I think uh, in a lot of ways, which would involve a whole other discussion, those of us who see the trends of things in society, we see that and, and we, we um, can go on to, uh, sometimes for hours and hours about all the agendas and all the machinations and so forth. 
that we see as clear as clear can be. And unfortunately, a lot of, uh, particularly in the homeschool world, the, the lower end of the grade, it, it, what's happening seems so monolithic in education and in other ways that a lot of people, they tend to retreat into, um, well, I'm raising my family. I'm, you know, we said our daily rosary today and, you know, we've, we've done our duty and there's a, a, a yawning chasm um, between what, from what I see in this, this regard, I just, so just limiting this, this particular comment to education, but the same phenomena elsewhere, people see the, the system of education, all of its problems and so forth. And all they want is, you know, a tutor. They, all they want is a tutor. So to the homeschooling parents, even those I've been working with for five or 10 years, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm still the tutor and I don't really care the flattering title that's applied to me. Um, but the fact is they, they don't understand the work in any more serious way than that. And I think some of this has to do with the, the failure on the part of fathers to take the bull by the horn when it comes to education. I have, um, with, with no exceptions, in the dozens and dozens of families I've worked with these years, uh, probably up on 15 years now, I have never seen a father in a family take the education of his children as a personal responsibility. It has always been put off on the mothers. And what this has led to in the alternative educational world, which does many, many things right, it does many things right. And, and these people are to be commended for many things. But if you look at the homeschooling world, I believe because of the, the lack of the masculine direction, where are we after 50 years of homeschooling? We're still at the kitchen table. The, the movement has not done anything to address the system. It simply retreated from the system. And it's made, you know, it's made a few businesses here that do a good job. And, and I think the viewers will be familiar with some of the, the all-stars in the Catholic world for homeschooling and, and uh, Dale Gracias for them. That's, that's excellent. But one of the reasons parents are not able to really make this connection and move beyond and build schools as robust and, and institutions as robust as the mainstream is, is because we don't have that, that vision. And, and I, I, I dare say it, uh, we don't have that masculine vision to move beyond the critique into the application. We see the mm -hmm. problem, we react to it, but we don't build from there. And that's the disconnect I'm, I'm getting um, now for a decade and a half. How long has mothers, how long have mothers been in charge of education? Oh, well, I, I guess this is a legacy of the 20th century because the the homeschool movement is, you know, it, it's an interesting movement because it, it tends to historically from the 60s and 70s come out of um, evangelical Protestantism uh, and then also the counterculture um, of the time. And so you see the th those two strains um, uh, interact and, and sometimes um, work together and sometimes not. But um you know, by the time you get to the, by the time you get by the mid 20th century to people appraising the, the uh, public school system, we'll just keep our, our language to America here. 
those are generations that are, are so into the job system that their economic agency by the 1950s, 60s, and 70s is, is rather curtailed, right? The daddy needs to go out and work. And at least in those days, you could raise a family on one, one income. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, so, so there's a, it's almost like a carryover into, you know, the past uh, 50 years into today, um, and of course, there's a whole economical dimension to homeschooling, you know, which is only unfortunately available to a certain strata. Um, and that's not the fault of the homeschoolers. That's the fault of, of the people who run this, this economy over the years. Yeah, go on. How does that even, does that even look, though? I mean, because if, if, if we're saying that um, one of the traditional roles of the man in the house is to provide, mm-hmm. to, to work either at home or go off somewhere and labor, make money. Mm-hmm. Um, so that leaves um, oftentimes a wife at home. And, and see, it was seen by default, right, that she would be charged of education because the father is away, the mother is home, the children are at home. So she would, by default, have some sort of primary role in education, right? Um, yes, yes. Of course, we need to understand that um, the the man going out to work and the woman at home is not, you know, it, it too is a, it's rather recent. And so we have to, when we think of this, this, this process that I've seen over the, over, we'll say the two, past 200 years, okay. it's, um, you know, it, it starts with with the cot. If you think there's a huge economical dimension, I brought it up about 50 times in our time together um, to education. And um, we must understand that the, the father leaving the home is just as unnatural, historically speaking, as the mother leaving the home. Mm. And if you look at the, the vast majority of human beings on this planet, that still is the case. We've, you know, we've inherited a very limited 19th century Western idea of economical development. And we've we've set that up as being, you know, we, we have, you know, a early 20th century idea of the man leaving the home and, the, and then the woman being there. And we've taken that as traditional because of, of you know, what's developed since then. Yeah. yeah. Um, even, even, even some of your more traditional Catholics um, would still accept that model when they when they think of um, the traditional family. They're thinking of this, uh, this, 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 this construct that is, like you said, not very old in, in the history of, of uh, at least, at least in the West, where the man, uh, the traditional man, the traditional Catholic man, he goes off to work and comes back home, and the wife is there with the children, and dinner is ready. This whole thing is not, as you say, that's it's pretty, pretty modern, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a very, it's a very modern, it's a very type of waspy, um, <laughs> and that's a whole other discussion. How a lot of that thinking has come into the Catholic world. Interesting. Um, but I, I should be understood properly when when I critique this this feminization of um, homeschooling. It's not so much the the demographics of it; it's the mindset. It's the mindset. Um, you know, to a certain extent, we're, we're all more or less, and, and, and um, I don't want to say we're slaves of our era, but, you know, things do press upon us, right? And we are all products and, and, and somewhat at the whims of the, the generation that we're born into. So I'm not, in, in this sense, giving uh, fathers 
um, or mothers for that matter, a hard time who are who are working out of the house, nor am I giving mothers themselves who are who are doing the homeschool thing around the kitchen table a hard time. What I am, though, asserting is that an error has has entered in where there is a, there, the mindset be, because of the demographics in this instance. But you you see it in some of these little schools that I have uh, quite an experience with. It it doesn't have that that logic to move beyond it. People seem to be very content with the homeschool co-op or with, with their little curricula and they don't have that vision. And I, I do believe that, that um, if there was a, a more masculine uh, presence there, that that would, that would uh, ebb away and real, the real benefit of the, the great critiques that homeschoolers, et cetera, have made could be applied to this society. We wouldn't just be all in these, these bunkers just trying to, to to get through the day and um so it's the mindset that i'm 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 going after mostly not just the the uh the base demographics of it all yeah apogastasis what does that mean ah yes that's a that's a greek word it means uh restoration it means restoration and um, I, I use the word just in that um, instance. It, um, it actually does come, it appears, I believe, one time in the Holy Bible from Ephesians chapter 2, which uh, those of you who, who say the Liturgy of the Hours will know is the uh, canticle for Monday evening, um, where, where, Christ, where um, God restores all things in Christ. Uh, I forget this, the proper verbiage, but uh, to restore all things in Christ there. And um, it does have uh, historically has an application to a certain heresy associated around the city of Alexandria in the second century. I am not using the word in that that regard, um, but I, I I do jag off of the way it's used in the New Testament. So uh, briefly, the way that uh, St. Paul uses the word apocastastasis, that, Christ, that um, all things are restored in Christ, is not the restoration of, um, so I'm making a parallel here, uh, understand. So after the fall, um, the created order is, is, um, is displaced after the fall. The word, the way Paul uses uh, apocastastasis is when Christ restores things. He doesn't just restore it to the way it was at the time of the fall, but uh, o felix culpa, o happy fault. Actually, the final position of man uh, mm. through the incarnation is greater than it would have been had the uh, events in Eden not taken place. So the final restoration is actually greater than had there been no disruption in the garden to begin with. That's the way uh, St. Paul is using it. It's, it's this uh, extraordinary restoration of things. So having set that up, what, um, what I decided to use the word apocastastasis for um, all those years ago is that um, I mean uh, to the work and, and those who have, who have confederated with me, uh, we have a, a few other teachers, um, not just to restore uh, a system of the past or or to restore um, something that's that's gone by, but actually to exceed that, to exceed that and and to um, to use that creativity um, and and uh, to use um, what is is good in modern uh, pedagogy. There's a lot that's bad. We've just jabbered on for quite a while about a lot that's bad. But there are things that the mainstream does that are good. And and so all of that I see as being in in my um, more secularized usage of apocastastasis, um, what the word means. 
Mm-hmm. Very good. So as we're speaking with John Coleman here, um, he is the founder of the Podcast the Stacy's Institute. Um, you can find out more about him just by typing that into your browser. And I make sure I'll, I'll place a link in the description <coughs> box. Um, but John, what do you, as, as, we're, as we're wrapping up, we talked a lot about various different things as you as you said has some good definitions um pointing out a few crises here and there um about where we're at and what we could be doing better but one of your major critiques just seemed to be uh one as you say you mentioned many times just the, the commercialization of the whole thing just superstructure in place that's a profit center off of education and in, in, in a lot of a lot of bad that, that comes a lot of, you know, like you said, some parts of it is necessary. Obviously, you know, these brick and mortar institutions have to pay bills and things like that. But, you know, the the superstructure that comes with it, you know. Uh, but, but the other thing that I, I wanted to, to wrap up with was um, just the vision, right? This critique that you had of what's missing is, is a better vision for education. And in a couple clouds of closing moments here, can you like guide us through like what do we need to do to get to where you think education um, can be more beneficial to humanity? Oh, that is a that is a mountain for certain. Um, I think it all begins with with an appraisal um, of the individual, and and here the the. Uh, the Catholic vision uh, is is so helpful. Now we have to, you know, realize the the state of of um, of society. So sometimes you have to, you know, as Saint Paul says, you have to, you know, treat these topics uh, milk before meat, right? You have to treat these topics. This society is so unchurched <laughs> that mm. if you go out pistols blazing about, you know, um, the beatific vision and, and <laughs> eternal bliss with God and all this stuff, you know, they're not going to know what to do. But uh, we're talking amongst friends here, so uh, amongst brothers. So, um, yeah, I mean, we have to understand the, the final end of man is um, uh, the final vocation of man is, is sanctification. Um, and from that um, ought to spring, um, or ought to flow rather, from that spring ought to flow um, a, a right understanding of of um, a philosophy, of history, of of politics, and so forth. Which does not mean a monolithic understanding, um, but in the best uh, you know understanding of 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 the whole concept of tradition. Uh, uh, a stream, but with with elbow room that can accommodate quite a diversity within it. Um, so yes, how how do we approach and and fix education? Um, because of this audience, who who um, please God has has um, a few more things lined up than a more more uh, secular audience. Um, we we need to orient ourselves properly, the individual and the society. Um, towards our final end, which is sanctification and eternal happiness with God. Um, uh, leaving that abstract conclusion, which is a necessary conclusion, um, 
what I would say, and this is very pronounced in in um, my my philosophy of things, and I should hope the way I, I administer things just one on one, and what I would encourage to any young scholars out there, and older scholars maybe getting into this, and old timers, uh, we need you as well. Um, anyone who's interested really in, in putting putting your your back to the plow, um, a vision of agency. Of, of real ownership of this society, that yawning void I had mentioned before is certainly not limited to homeschoolers. I see it across the board. People see the problems. They mm -hmm. see the problems and they have enough grace to, at least in their own lives, try to shape up a bit and raise their families and all that great stuff. But that yawning void, where does that come from, David? It comes from that fact that we have not been raised with a, a sense of ownership in this society. Um, I'm, I'm sorry to put on the old uh, crotchety 19th century um, monarchist hat, but, you know, they used to say this, and not that I am necessarily a monarchist, but, you know, people, they, 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 there is truth in, in a lot of places, um, and certainly them fellas. They used to say, you know, when the liberals would run up and say, give us our rights, give us our rights, they would say, well, what are your responsibilities? Rights come with responsibilities. And I, I believe there's a great benefit um, with, with the students, as soon as us who maybe are no longer in school, to encourage that idea in, in the youth and in our own lives that um, we're responsible for this, right? We have rights, but we also have responsibilities. And to build that up, if there's um, uh, an indigent person, we'll say a, a hobo, right? That's you, that's your problem. You're going to run around like a king. You're going to use all this king language and whatever. I don't know how many people are using that language <laughs> these days, but that's another discussion. But the point is, you got a cigarette butt over there? Okay, king, go pick that up, right? You got you got people. And this is where I think we could really step up in the, in the alt world, in the alternative education world, right? You got people that, that aren't happy in their educational system. Well, we really could fill that void, right? That's really where the kind of Lone Ranger is um, uh, in the homeschool world, et cetera, yeah. where could really, you know, tighten up a few screws. You got some some um, economically disadvantaged family, help them out, right? Set up mm -hmm. a co-op, run with it. I mean, really get the community involved, right? These are our obligations. And, and um, I'll keep giving men a hard time. These are particularly males. These are your obligations too, Um once your daily duties seen to, uh, and once you've read the papers and you got your conspiracy stuff in for the day, get to work, get to work. Um, and that's, that's it. Build up that sense of agency and the youth in yourself and, and, and get out there. Amen. Amen. John Coburn, thanks for covering on the David O'Grace show, Voicing Truth and Reason, Guadalupe Radio Network. And where can people find you? Um, the, the college's main website is abacastastasisinstitute.wordpress.com. And you may write me at abacastastasisinstitute at aol.com. Thanks, John. And thanks for tuning in. I'll be back same time next week, same place. And I look forward to conversing with you again. In between time, you can visit me at davidogray.info. But until then, until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and is there for you and live your life like salvation matters. And may abundance of our Lord's blessings and graces and favors fall upon you and yours. Thank you.